Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. everybody. Thank you for spending some time with us tonight. We sure do appreciate your sharing your your precious time with us. And I um, want to thank first Ken Quiethawk for his amazing introduction. He and his wife can be found at nativestorytellers.com. They are native storytellers. And it's important for us to remember that there were ways of recording history and preserving history that uh, happened before the written word, and they are living examples of how magical that can be. Um, Much better than reading fairy tales to your children to go and listen to some of these stories that they have preserved through time. It is an exciting adventure. Speaking of adventures, I am so excited to have Les Jensen back with me tonight. He is an author, a radio host, a speaker, energy master and visionary, committed to promoting personal empowerment and his life purpose of being of service to others. In that vein, he has created New Human Living in 2009 and also hosts New Human Living Radio, sharing insightful conversations with guests who are shaping the future of human consciousness, a topic that all of us are just so fascinated by. It's amazing. And Trying to embrace an understanding of what our consciousness is 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 something that he has really, um, I think, done a magnificent job in both of his books, uh, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior, we've spoken to him about, and, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a great book. And his latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, is is also a fascinating book because it does deal with consciousness and responsibility and the power that we have as individuals, which is so exciting. And it's a topic that, that is hard to put a finger on, and yet he seems to have done a magnificent job of it. One of the quotes I love in his book is, you are the receptor of inspiration and the vehicle of its expression. I just... Um, I'm going to steal that and use it someplace because it is so beautiful. Um, But that said, um, welcome to the show, Les. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you for having me back on the show. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, I'm delighted to have you. I think that that you are, are trying so beautifully to address a topic that so many people are struggling to understand and and embrace and learn how to deal with it. And it's it's almost like mercury. Every time you think you have it, it slips through your fingers. And 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 you know, you're you you've done a beautiful job of making it a little more concrete, so people can get an understanding of the flow you're talking about and and apply it to their lives. Because in in my opinion, people today are more interested in understanding their consciousness, their their power, their responsibility, and and how to utilize the, the gifts that they have inside to enhance their lives and take them from black and white into technicolor. Oh, yeah. Well, into, uh, like, IMAX with 3D. I mean, it's... There's, oh, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's really no limit. I mean, your imagination is the only tether, and if you... If you soak that in vinegar and stretch it real good, um, you'd probably go anywhere you want. Well, yeah, and you know, I, I don't think people understand that. I, in in my opinion, you know, we've been programmed since birth to sort of toe the line, to fit a pattern, to follow um, to follow courses of action that give away our power and people today are becoming more and more understanding that that our personal power is there it's just a matter of of learning how to 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 identify it and to connect to it and to flow with it and then to improvise it oh indeed indeed i i use two terms in the book citizen king your sovereignty and your dominion and uh and and those those two phrases, uh, I would bet, are not described with any merit in probably any serious Western academic um, arena. Um, it, it, it's really a, a, um, unraveling of what you've been told, and but not a re-raveling, but more of an embodiment of what the truth is. I mean, we're all inherently wired for um, the journey to our truth, but um, to incarnate on this planet at this time and go through the Western academic modality or the religious dogmas or whatnot, um, uh, there's some there's some unraveling to do to really be able to stand in your truth. And I think people today are are at a place in time where you know they've done this psychic stuff they've played with that <clears throat> and and they're looking to go deeper and and to understand just exactly who they are and i i I don't think they understand so many people you know talk about i'm I'm a spiritual person and this and that, but the reality is they are a spirit on a human journey and because they are a spirit, they have access to so much power, and and not not you know necessarily bolts of lightning and stuff like that, but but power to create within their lives and to make their lives so much richer and fuller. And they they're looking for a how-to book, and I think both of your books do address this. Do do 
focus on the fact that that there is power there for them to have access and you know it's it's sort of hard to give everybody a step by step because everybody's different so right. how do you how do you tell somebody to start to work on yourself so you can get these these gifts well what you said is really important where there's not a step by step per se uh, there's not like a recipe that if everybody read it. I mean, in when I write books, I try really hard to have a very sterile language. I um, I I don't try to cast a, a projection or dogma on any stance, and uh-huh. because um, purity and authenticity are the two terms that I'll I'll really embrace. So how how do people? Uh, how do, how do people start off in that journey? To answer your question, um, well, um, some simple things you can do is like uh, go get post-it notes. I mean, this is really simple. Go buy a whole bunch of post-it notes and put one by the bed, one by the kitchen, one in the car, and uh, have a pen or whatever handy nearby. And what will happen is your brain will be busy doing something else. Your brain will be, you know, you're unloading the groceries from the car, you're doing the dishes, you're in the shower, whatever, and a single sentence will pop in your head. Hey, why don't you write that screenplay? And then typically where we bugger it up is the very next thought. We drag that brilliance up into our ego and bitch slap it into submission. And and there's there's no chance of it surviving. So so the habit that'll kick your butt in a most delightful way is when these post-it notes are laying around and one of these sentences pop in your head, write it down verbatim. Don't edit it. Don't think about it. Write it down. Now it has some permanence. Now your ego can go ahead and 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 flog it and say, who am I to write a screenplay? I don't know. Crap. You know this that. Your ego will second guess everything, but you've captured it. And the next morning, it's there again. And over time, over a week, two weeks, a month, two months, you're going to start collecting post-it notes. And what you're literally doing is you're tapping into a higher wisdom that's within you now. And you're, you're bringing it into a permanence because it's ink on paper. And let me tell you, ink on paper in single sentences will allow your soul to give you inspiration and have it survive your ego. Does <laughs> <laughs> that make sense? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I tell people all the time that, that a thought isn't any good unless it's, it's been carved in concrete and within the reality, and you do that by writing it down and reminding sure. yourself of, of a of an energetic of a level of a flow it's a, it becomes a a thread that you can reconnect to and follow to the next sentence or the next sentence or the next sentence right so it 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 does it is it's sort of like you know when when um Jason went into the the labyrinth and you know he he had a cord that he that he strung so that he could get back out again it's the same thing it's it, it you weave your way through consciousness and follow inspiration by writing things down. Sure, right, indeed. So, so the it, it, 
I mean, before you were even born, your soul saw the dynamic of this lifetime. It saw the, the turmoil, if you will, the tempest that is unfolding on earth. It's a glorious thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a magnificent mm-hmm. thing. And your soul handpicked a lifetime just for you, um, a thread, uh, an intention, a vision for your life, if you will. And But the bottom line is the ego has final say. How many people stare at their phone? How many people scroll through social media? And those that inspiration doesn't ever get any action attached to it. And, and so they're literally treading water. They're literally um, idle as far as uh, making an incremental progression, bringing that life vision into manifestation, if that makes sense. Yeah, how do you, though, how do you understand what is a vision and what is ego? Because the ego can be very, very tricky. The ego <laughs> can pr- pretend to be the vision. I mean, well, I... Hey, I it, it, get it's a, just, a big bottle of organic whiskey and drink all of it, and then the ego <laughs> will be wiped out. No, I'm kidding. Okay. That was a joke. That was a joke. Um, well, it's... It it seriously, I mean oh, it, it's I... it, it's you're right. Um, if you are so focused on something else, if you are concentrating on, um, I, I use my example of needlepoint or weeding or whatever, so that your mind is focused on something that is laborious and, and repetitious, your consciousness is free to talk to your higher consciousness and and get those inspirations. So quite often, it's getting getting your mind out of the way, your ego out of the way, so that the other stuff can come through. But but every now and then, I mean, I've I've written a lot of stuff, and sometimes it comes through. The things that I, I've written are, are really really pretty, but they don't have the the feeling of magic in them that other stuff does. And and when you look at them. You realize my ego wrote this. It did a great job, but it, it doesn't have <laughs> right. the magic in it. And right. and so, but how does one tell the difference between, you know, my this is my spirit speaking to me, or this is my ego speaking to me? Because the ego only has, the ego's point of reference is only this lifetime, while the spirit has eternity to draw from. Oh sure. Well, I mean, you're bringing up a really good point because you're right. The ego is a crafty little sucker and can uh-huh. conjure up some facade um, intention. But um, I suggest, um, like, kind of going back to capturing those those um, um, out-of-left-field sentences that pop in your head. Like, um uh-huh. For myself, like, I was like um, 35 or whatever, and uh, had you asked me at that moment in my life, um, well, what are you going to do with your life? And I would have said, oh, well, I'm a TV engineer. I'm going to work in broadcast TV. That's, you know, that's 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 an easy answer. It's all wrapped up. Uh-huh. And then the cosmic two-by-four came by and, and split me open like a bug on the windshield, and I'm a radio host, and I'm writing spiritual books, and um, I take a lot of time and and contemplate um, the nature of consciousness. So 
to 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 speak to your point, when my soul started telling me to write a book, it didn't sit well with me at all. Um, I came from a small town in Utah. I, I was the last of seven kids in a Mormon household, and um, I I barely barely I mean like a quarter credit I barely graduated from high school. My teachers <laughs> were very frustrated with me, and and when my soul started telling me to write books, it got a lot of pushback and. And yet now when I write, I've written, I wrote like six books, and I took some of them off the market because people who are fond of grammar would spit their coffee across the table when they were reading. I guess I did <laughs> sell any bad grammar crap. And so I got an editor, and she harvested the commas and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but I, to, um, when I first published that the first book it was scary it was and and then i wrote another book and now when i write a book i get i get such a, a deep level of satisfaction in my life and mm -hmm. and to speak to your point like the ego will um, perhaps want to play the stock market to make some easy cash. And so the ego <laughs> figures out a way to make millions of dollars and goes and buys a mansion and a bunch of crap. But the, the level of fulfillment is relatively shallow. And so I think a good measuring stick to, to hone, um, whether it's your ego painting a facade in front of you, or if it's genuinely your soul, is is the level of satisfaction that you feel when you move towards accomplishing it. Does that make sense? It does. Somebody a long time ago um, said, you know, because somebody was somebody asked a question as to how do you know if you've had a spiritual experience or just a really good experience, and and how do you tell the difference between you know, um, a lecture that's spiritually motivated and, and one that is intellectually motivated. Now, they're both, they both have value, but, but one of them is going to make you feel, is going to enhance you, make you feel joyful and excited and wanting to go out and learn more, and the other quite possibly could give you a headache, and, you know, your notes will go out, go nowhere, but, but the spiritual one will stay with you. It'll register with you. It'll, you'll know that there is a vibrance to it it's much like um gosh i use this analogy a lot now um it, it's it's somebody who plays the piano they are either a technician or an artist you can <laughs> right. technically do right. something or you can put your spirit into it and you can tell the difference sure and 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 i think that 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 for me is something that, that, you know, every now and then I step back and I say, okay, is this a technician or is this an artist? And, but again, it comes down to, I, I get tons of people coming to me saying, I want to work on myself. I want to be more spiritual, but how do I do it? And, you know, it's easy to flip out, well, work on yourself. And then they're sitting there saying, how? Right. How do I do this? And, and right. you know, um, 
and 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 you know you're you're kind of just stuck at that point because it's you know okay so you go within and you take a look at yourself and you see where you've come from and you see where you want to go and um it it's what you're what what you're talking about and and what these people are seeking um are the same thing but it's sort of like how do you do, now you've done it so you know you've done it so that's great but how does someone else do it? Because everybody is going to be, have a different way of doing it. Um, well, well, you know, I I like what you're saying, and uh, and just to embellish just a little bit of of the thread that I last uh, spoke of. Fast forward to the to today, when my um, and, and I know this goes back to how do you know if it's your ego or your soul? But when my soul gives me a new tangent. Like recently, so I'm coming up on 60, and my soul's telling me to learn FPGA programming. And what FPGAs are these little chips that, they, that electronics are made out of, so your cell phone, uh-huh. uh, self-driving cars, all this crap. And I'm like, uh, I know it's not from my ego, <laughs> because learning <laughs> FPGA programming is like learning the, you know, the the bones in the body or something of that, to me which doesn't get me excited at all um, but my soul tells me to do this and so what I'm talking about is fast forward to the, to today and when I see a new topic come up in my my thoughts that I that I know my ego wouldn't have chosen I get excited about it because I know there's a thread in my future related to that okay. so so now to step back and reapproach this topic from another perspective. Um, so, uh, countless spiritual teachers talk about uh, mental and emotional imprinting, or energy, or karma, or whatever. And uh, um, I I practice what's called no thought meditation, and it's really simple to do. You set the timer on your phone to 10 minutes. You start it. You, you close your eyes and you quit thinking. Well, it doesn't happen just like that. You start going, you know, well, this is stupid. And as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as this sentence pops up, your response is thank you. And that thank you is like a period at the end of the sentence. Actually, it's like a period at the end of the paragraph. The topic is over. So it's uh-huh. so you start out and you think you know okay all right ten minutes all right this is stupid thank you you know you're gonna be late for work thank you <laughs> is there gas in the car thank you and and after you um, you practice ten minutes um, double it to twenty and what'll happen is. You're, a busy mind can have multiple topics going on at the same time where mm-hmm. you're literally having a collage of dialogues that are running fast in your monkey mind. And and when you do no-thought meditation, imagine a pulpit. I, I love this analogy. So imagine a pulpit in, in the room, and there's uh, 32 flavors of you. And 31 of them are from your ego, and the 32nd one is your soul. Um, your soul's probably over in the corner taking a nap because 
you have to stand at the pulpit and have your, the microphone to be able to have a sentence. The microphone uh -huh. is a symbolic representation of your consciousness. You need consciousness to, to create sentencing. So um, there's all these personas of you. Your, your spouse walks in the room, and, and the, the husband or the wife in you steps up to the microphone. Your kids come in the room, and the parent steps up. And, and all these personas that have these mental constructs that your ego has built as it was grown in your family of origin, um, it needs the microphone to be able to have the, the thought um, happen. So what you're doing with no thought meditation is you're taking the, the microphone off the podium and you're hiding it. And now all the personas in the room have to show themselves. You have to show yourself that the thoughts that you weren't aware of, the thoughts that you weren't consciously aware of become conscious. And so what you start to recognize, it's like um, you don't know what you don't know about yourself. It's like, do you sleepwalk? Hell, you might not know. Well, sprinkle some flour on the kitchen floor and then the next morning <laughs> look for footprints. When, when you... When you do no thought, you take away the environment that has to exist for thoughts to exist. And then your thoughts become much more obvious. And so um, where do you start? If you don't have a practice of meditation, start to meditate. I, Ten uh -huh. minutes, uh, I suggest, early in the morning before your mind gets some momentum going. Go in the bathroom if you have a busy house. Uh, go in the garage, go in a flipping closet in the basement, but just 10 minutes. And every time a thought comes up, just say thank you. And don't let it progress. And and um, over time, um, your awareness of the thoughts in your noggin that don't serve you, the thoughts in your noggin that have no value to moving your life forward will become evident. And then you'll also be able to notice when your thoughts change um, drastically because of the environment you're in. And that might be triggered by an emotional event, but I'm, I'm getting too far into um, talking shop. But. <laughs> well, I, I think that the, the art of meditation is, is actually, it's unique to every individual, but no thought meditation sounds like it, it I mean, if there's no thought, then most people would be able to do it. Um, I think another one of your, your hints that, that are really good ones are, are the post-its. And I tell people to keep a journal of the synchronicities and the coincidences that they have that ha occur in their lives because more likely than not, that's their spirit trying to give them a hint or a message or to guide them in some way, shape, or form. Right. So to be, become more attentive to to what what is happening to the to you know to to connect to that part of the divinity that is within all of us is 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 a big step for a lot of people. But if you give them steps that they can work at and and to sort of expand their awareness um, that way, it, it it helps them to to understand that there there is. There's a pathway here. It's not just a great big field, and they're supposed to cross it. There, there is a pathway they can follow 
to get to where they want to go and to to be able to identify um those aspects of your life that that you were you programmed for yourself to right. to bring into this life is is really a, a very exciting thing and and it's all full of joy and happiness and gratitude and light and love it's 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 an amazing place to be within yourself and everybody has it it's just a matter of finding your way to it so and and trusting yourself once you get there right yeah it, it there truly is just um literally billions of variations of of the i mean all roads lead to rome kind of thing i mean it's inevitable it um it it's inherent to who we are it's but uh, like you said um every journey has such a uh, a, a personal um i don't know connotation or a particular um aspects that make it unique absolutely and i think one of the things that you that you talk about is that um creativity is so important because that's i i use the analogy often about how um our spiritual journey is very much like a car it needs fuel in order to have it run and we put gas in the car but creative energy is what moves our spiritual life forward at least at least in my perception so that so that when you become a co-creator and you turn on to that flow of creativity it helps you to move towards your own potential oh sure well i, I think there's a a transformation that happens within your persona that uh-huh. if you're a um, if you're an author or a painter or a musician or whatever and you're writing a new song or you're painting a new picture and, and you, you, you take your consciousness and you, you immerse in it in this passionate expression and in that spending time where you're, where you're bringing inspiration into your persona and then through your physical body you bring it into effect it it changes who you are at such a organic level that in a small sense you're born again and and uh-huh. and what i mean by that is so the next time you go to be intimate with your partner there's new blood there there's new consciousness there and it's it's this ever un, ever unfolding um, desire for consciousness to express itself. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. It's it's an amazing journey, and and people who who are <clears throat> striving to be on this journey, um, you know, I think your book is very helpful for them to understand, you know, kind of the what the journey is and can be, and and where to look for. Um, Helping, helping themselves to uh, to fuel their own inner journey, whether it is through and and meditation. Everywhere I look, everyone I talk to, everyone who's talking about being on a spiritual journey and and who I respect and believe are actually on one, um, talk about meditation of some some form or another, in in that it helps them to 
um, attach themselves to that to the spirit within that you know that that will share information that will help to guide them and you know and, and getting to that place is is um, it doesn't happen overnight and I think that's what so many people don't understand it's a process and yeah. and it, it it is not something that that you can achieve overnight but but once and I don't believe you ever actually reach the end of the journey, but it's an ongoing journey, which is phenomenal because as your life unfolds, everything changes, of course, um, depending upon where you are. Um, one of the phrases that you use um, a lot in the book is, is authenticity and being authentically yourself. You want to explain what that means? Um, sure. Um, <laughs> what's that chuckle about? Am I being harassed? No, I'm kidding. The uh, authenticity, purity and authenticity, I think, are are very, very powerful attributes for ourselves. So authenticity. So say, uh, um, say you like to play your music loud. I mean, that's a, that's pretty simple. I mean, yeah. you like to play your music loud. And it, it's, it's an authentic desire of yours. And so um, you're, driving, you're driving by yourself in the car and the flipping windows are shaking because you've got to crank to the hilt. And, um, and then something comes into your environment that says no. Now, now loud music might be a... a less than ideal example. If you live in a dense apartment complex and you get up at two in the morning and you and you blast Nirvana at 130 decibels, you're not going to be very popular. In fact, you might have a new housing arrangement by the end of the night. Most um, but what I'm getting at is um, w- when I talk about authentic desire, um, it's funny because we've been talking about the the soul vision for your life and your ego's vision for your life and how they can get muddled. So your soul can have a desire to be seen as important. And so um, it's not really an authentic desire in the sense that your soul really doesn't care what other people think of you, but your ego might want to be seen as somebody powerful. Yeah. So um, when I talk about authenticity, when I talk about it, I'm talking about it from a soul level, from a heart level, not an ego level. But let's 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 move forward with the idea. So when your heart and your soul have an authentic desire that that comes from within you, and you squelch it, you don't allow it to fulfill. At some point, you're going to have the feeling of resentment. At some point, you're going to... Um, it's like being incongruent with yourself. Um, like perhaps uh, hiding your, your, your sexual authenticity because of uh, religious dogma in your family. Um, if if you um, uh, suppress the uh, 
the authentic, not ego, the authentic desire of your heart and your soul, it's going to start to tax your experience of life. And if you're not authentic in many ways, you won't be able to sustain um, energy in your as you go through your day. The, the inauthenticity of your behavior will literally burden you. It will literally drain you, and, and you will not be able to stay balanced and centered in your persona. So let's flip that over and say you are authentic. You finally got to the point where you don't give a rat's ass what anybody else thinks. It's none of their business. And, and you, you have honed through trial and error. You've honed what you prefer. What do you prefer? You've, you've waited and you've, you've, you've spent time to truly understand what you prefer. You're discovering your own authenticity. And then when you fully embody that, when you fully live that, you can, say, you can stay centered and balanced throughout your entire day. And when you do that, um, you, um, you're, you, you stay grounded, so any energetic event around you doesn't topple you over. Your body can stay in a place of ease, and your energy level stays up. So the sustainability of your life finds its own balance, its own equilibrium, and you can live in that place of balance for the rest of your life if you know how to stay authentic to yourself. Does that make sense? It does. It's being true to yourself. Um, sure. In, in other words. Um, but so many people um, find today find themselves in positions where um, and because of the way they've been programmed, they they find themselves in in a situation where, you know, they just are not happy, content, or balanced. And so, so trying to figure out who they are and where their vision is 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 a very hard thing. I I have friends that that you know swear up and down that they were meant to do exactly what they're doing, but they're not really happy doing it. But this is what I'm meant to do. And it's sort of like if you were really meant to do this, you'd, it would be joyful, and it's not joyful. Um, right. So, yeah, right, so, right. Good. Mm -hmm. so, so being caught in that kind of a position, how does one I, – I mean, you can't go out and quit your job. You can't go, you know, but, but – you can find that spot inside of yourself and be true to yourself in many ways that that, that doesn't um, that, that doesn't um, jeopardize your your being able to have a roof over your head and food in your mouth. So sure. it, it so so you can be authentic and 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 then move forward and probably at a later date sometimes doing what you really were meant to do as an avocation, it becomes a vocation at some point in time in your life. This is a lifetime journey, this whole, the, the whole aspect of finding 
your inner vision and then finding your own authenticity, I would think that there are, or uh, no, I, I guess I'm asking, are there many different levels of this? Are you constantly peeling away new levels to find greater authenticity? Or is there a place where, ta-da, I have arrived? Well, I don't. Uh, perhaps you could uh, phrase that in a different way. Is your soul ever done expressing itself in new and different ways? I mean, no. <laughs> in 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 truth, at um, you might come into a, a resting period after creation, but at some point, the desire to express a new will create a new round of authentic desires that weren't in the context of of your past so um but but i want to just speak for a moment about what you're talking about when you're working at a job and it doesn't feel very good and it doesn't feel very authentic and the part you're doing in your job just doesn't uh, float your boat so to speak um well right there you're you're you've gleaned information about what you don't want and that's it, it's not an automatic thing that you just automatic that everybody automatically knows what they uh, what they want authentic, authentically. It's it's not. I suggest it's not an automatic thing. It takes some trial and error. You can uh -huh. think you might like something, but once you immerse in it for a while, you might get bored, or it might not um, really fulfill you. But if you're working in a job and it's putting a roof over your head, your hands are not tied. You can, you can look at the situation and evaluate what parts of it you don't like, what parts of it that you might like. Maybe you, you work in publishing and, and you're in the mail room and what you really want to do is uh, um, editing or, or create graphics to go along with the story. I mean, there's information even in the shadow side of what you want because it lets you hone, it lets you get more specific about what you do want. And when you can figure out what you do want, you can spend time on your own, even if it's just in your mind, um, doing, seeing yourself doing what you would prefer to do in when you do that, you start to resonate. It's like if I say, um, I want a blue pickup truck. I've gotten clear. I want a blue pickup truck. Well, now that I've got clear about a blue pickup truck, you know what I'm going to start seeing in traffic? Blue pickup trucks. <laughs> when I get clear about what I want to experience and I look through the one edge, you know what I'm going to see? things that resonate with what I've been creating with my mind. Mm -hmm. It does It does work that way. And um, it's, <clears throat> again, this is, this is a process. This is a learning experience. This is a, a journey that we take so that, so that it's not, it, it doesn't happen overnight. But I can remember, um, I, I taught school for 25 years. And, and I did enjoy it. I loved working with special ed kids. Um, but at one point, I, got a, I started to paint mandalas for people. And then I decided I was going to do a deck of cards with the mandalas. And 
the the act of the creating was so exhilarating that I would get up at like 7 in the morning. I would go to school. I would teach a full day. I would come home. Uh, At 4 o'clock, I would start painting, and I would paint again until 4 in the morning when I would get a couple of hours sleep and then get up and do it again. Now, this went on for nine months. And for nine months, I never was healthier. I never had more energy. I, I never missed a Little League game or anything. But I was so in authenticity. Yeah, and and it was so exciting that that you know I was so I I was very sad when it was when 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 that particular phase was over because um, it was such a creative process and yet I still had the roof over my head and the food in my mouth and stuff like that. But 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 my focus was on this this process of creation that that took everything and energized everything and you know when you can find something like that in your life doesn't have to be what I did but but something of a creative nature I and every now and then I we we call it OCD actually <laughs> when, <laughs> when you get so caught up with with a creative process that that it it absolutely it not it it doesn't take your life over, but it energizes you so that you can do it. That's, yeah, and that's you be, when you know you become a new person. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, and that's when you know you're in that flow. And and so many I've seen people that that do it with gardening, that do it with mechanics, that do it with jigsaw puzzles, that do it with. I mean, it doesn't have to be an expressive art. It can be any number of amazing um it it can be anything so long as you're being creative it can be anything and and it it just it energizes you and when you get in that flow when you know that when you lose track of time and you lose sort of the everyday minutia and you're just flowing with whatever energy is there i mean that's incredible and right, and yeah. you know so i i mean i've i've experienced it from time to time um not every day i would love to experience it every day but i haven't quite made it there yet but but i mean that's what you're i i can explain to people what they're looking for but it's hard to tell individuals how to get there right yeah well i you you uh, spoken it so well, and it, I think it like um, it ebbs and flows over time. It's not like you find it and you set up camp and you're done, because <laughs> I think the um, consciousness eternally seeks new expressions. I mean, just look at nature. Look at the many different types of birds and fishes and flowers. It's never oh, done. Yeah. Consciousness never has an end, and that's that's really a joyous thing because as you as you hone into yourself, you honed into the notion of painting mandalas, and then you honored that by taking the the etherical idea of it and bringing it into physical form. When you bring it into yeah. physical form, you complete the circuit. When you complete the circuit, it creates 
flow. When flow creates, that means new ideas show up. And mm-hmm. so there is literally an endless river of inspiration that your soul would gladly feed you. And, you know, going back to the post-it notes, if I'm only capturing a sentence a week or a sentence a month, you know, my ego's running the whole damn thing. But if I can quiet my mind and learn to discern, well, that kind of rhymes, learn to discern, when the the thought that I'm having is from my heart or, and or my soul, if it's from my heart and my soul, I don't have to vet it. I don't have to justify it. It doesn't have to make sense to my rational mind. And in fact, often that doesn't make sense to my rational mind. But I know that if I, if I bring it into physical form, in other words, I complete the creation circuit with it, I, uh, I'm creating a current, and in that flow of current, more inspiration will show up. But if I don't, if I don't take action on it, the the original inspiration sits there in my mind, and it it there there's no flow, and so it, it can stagnate over time. Ah, yeah, I I have found over the years and and again I, you know let me really try to emphasize it's it's over the years it's 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 i have found a number of things that i can do that um that will put me into that flow i can create that flow so to speak so um it it's it's something that you know, you you. If I force myself into doing creative stuff for a, a length of time, for instance, um, I can I can break into that that flow of energy that just flows through me, and then creates beautiful stuff. Um, but it's not something that happens every day. You know, it has to be has to be something that you're you know you're you're seeking and and. That flow is just, it's such a cool thing. So, yeah. um, so it's, 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 it's a great place to be. It's a nice place to visit. And it's, it would be even better if you could live there. But, um, you know, there, there are other aspects of the physical reality that we have to deal with. <laughs> but, sure. but it, you know, helping, helping people to understand where, you know, how, um, that 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 manifests within your life. It's really it, it's it's important that um, you know they they um, they are able to kind of touch into it and understand it and grasp it. Well, yeah, it, it is like a muscle. The more you uh, open up to it. Um, and and then take action on it, and it can be really mm-hmm. simple things. I mean, you're you're at a restaurant, you're done with your meal. Make a diorama with the peas and the mustard, you know, and make a river. And the peas are, I mean, just get out of your head and, and let that let that um, um, impulse to um, create. It, it's like a muscle. The more opportunities, the more arenas of your life you allow yourself to have creative expression, um, the more yeah. creative expression will show up in your life, if that makes sense. Well, it's it's sort of like each form of creative expression becomes a facet. 
And the more facets you have, the more brilliant the jewel that you are creating within your life. And, 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 and another thing that happens with flow is intuition shows up. If you yeah. don't have if you don't have flow, you can't be intuitive. Intuition comes when new information shows up, and and so by taking action and creating flow, you become more intuitive about your your creative abilities. Oh, you do. It's it's it's. Somebody once said to me, you know, how did you how did you become what you are and who you are? And it was like. If I take it way back, the, the the place where I think it started, at least for me, was learning to be more sensitive about myself. And the more sensitive I became about myself, the more sensitive I became about other people. Nice. So that so that it is it was it was working on. Um, I mean, like everyone. You know, I've had times in my life when everything fell apart and it was, oh, my gosh, you know, woe is me. And, and and there was a time when it was like, okay, what works for me? What do I like about me? What do I need to fix about me? What do I you know, need to adjust maybe a little bit? Um, <clears throat> and sometimes even more than a little bit. Um, so that So that it was like, it was it was like okay so here's the core me and and it's not working as well as I would like it to work and the the biggest part I think at that time was I wasn't attracting the kind of people I really wanted to have in my life and I realized that in order to attract those kinds of people I had to become one of those kinds of people because right. like attracts like yeah I like so that. it was so it was like working on on <clears throat> the aspects of me that that I I looked at things that I respected in other people and that I kind of wanted to be able to rub shoulders with them. So it was a matter of okay, how do I do that? How do, how do I how do they, you know, and so many people say, well, I need somebody to complete myself. I wasn't looking to complete myself. I was looking I I wasn't looking for someone to complete me. I was looking to complete myself. And I did find that there were areas in my life that, that I needed to expand upon in order to be able to feel comfortable and and know that I was attracting the kind of people I wanted to have in my life. I was becoming one of them, which is really, you know, part of, of working into being an authentic you. It's recreating yourself into what is the authentic you. You know, right. it's, it's kind of like inside of this body there is a size 10 waiting to get out. Um, you know, I know it's in there. I keep looking for it, but it isn't there. I haven't found it yet, but it, it was there once. It will be there again maybe someday. But but it's kind of like becoming, um, you know, I, 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 I so want people to understand that, that your book helps them to find what they need in their life to bring a greater richness into their life. And it's it's not an easy recipe because it's different for every person. Indeed. The you know, the we were talking about 
the the soul choosing the life path and choosing the family of origin and choosing you know um, so many things about um, how your life was going to unfold. Um, I was born into a Mormon household, and in a Mormon household, you don't have to think at all. It's like a flippin' Twilight episode. You can go to the, the butcher at the grocery store or the postman or the guy working on your car and ask them questions, and they'll give you the party line. They'll give you the cut-and-dried answer that is part of the religious uh, connotation. And so nobody was thinking for themselves, right? So I remember I was asked, uh, my dad was uh, a World War II vet and whatnot, and, and a zillion years ago when the Soviet Union um, collapsed and took a hard left compared to its past, I asked my dad, um, well, Dad, what do you think? I mean, how does a country with millions and millions of people just up and change their their story, how does that happen? And he turned around and he recited scripture to me. And I'm like, I'm not asking the flipping book. I'm asking my <laughs> dad. Where's my dad? Where's my dad's opinion? My dad didn't have an opinion that was different from the neighbor or the, I mean, it was it was kind of insanely flat. And, and, and that, that's the polar opposite of what I want. <laughs> so my soul, my soul chose a, a train wreck right off the top, and and um, all the questions about God were answered. Just, just come on, drink the Kool Aid, quit asking questions, get back in line, and and nobody would give me answers. And I wanted answers. That's why I'm writing books. I mean, you've written, you've read two of my books. I, how many questions yeah. do I ask? I ask a million questions, and I want to know what the flipping answer is. So my soul put me in the polar opposite environment of what I was here to do. My soul put me in the polar opposite environment as as a, the train wreck to make sure that I'd be pissed off over and over and over and over and over again <laughs> and I would seek my own answers. Mm-hmm. And fast forward decades, I'm I've been noodling the nature of nature for a long time now and I'm writing books about my perspective of of the nature of, of consciousness and what it means to have this human experience. But my my initial several decades was just the most insanely mind-numbing, brain-dead, and I, I should be careful, but it was just <laughs> extremely frustrating for me to grow up in, in that environment. And being the last of seven kids, <laughs> I remember my my folks would say to my siblings, does anybody see less? In other words, do any of my siblings just see me? Not what am I doing? I mean, I could be pouring gasoline over a, you know, a pile of rubble and with a book of matches in my hand. That didn't matter. Do you see less? 
Do you just see him? And if any of my siblings said yes, then we continued on. So I had fierce <laughs> freedom. I had insanely fierce freedom. So so imagine that. I had fierce freedom to think whatever the hell I wanted. And I, and I land in this Twilight episode where everybody's drank the same Kool-Aid and you couldn't have a conversation out of the context of the of the dogma. I mean, it was the perfect uh, storm, if you will, for me to to get a deep desire to wade through the quagmire to find a deeper understanding. And looky here now, I've I've got a radio show. I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people about the human persona, human consciousness. I've written books. I couldn't be as as um, maybe the words articulate or passionate about this topic had I not had quite the quagmire. So when people talk about their spiritual path and they look around and they're surrounded by anything but their their spiritual path that might not be a mistake so so um, don't beat yourself up too much if your life well, you doesn't put your, work you, yeah you put yourself there right and it worked I mean it cracked me it cracked me open yeah. I'll ask any damn question that comes to mind I I love questions oh yeah well it just you know I I think that you know so many people talk about their difficult life to me. Their challenges, their their excitement, their you know. Every now and then, I'll take a look at a situation and think, "All right, so I created this. First, what was I thinking? And then, <laughs> all right, you know, I must be yeah. able to get through this. You know. <laughs> yeah, there must there must be something here for me to learn. Yeah, and and it 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 is. You know, life is an exciting adventure. It truly is. It it is not meant to be painful and difficult. It's meant to be challenging for sure. But but that's how we grow and that's how we learn and that's how our soul um, you know, gathers the material it needs and, and, and all of that stuff. So so it it it's it, it's an amazing journey. Um, but you do talk um, in the book about karma, and you know, let's let's kind of talk a little bit about how karma fits into all of all of this journey that we're on. That's one of my favorite subjects. How did you know? <laughs> I've been told I was a little bit psychic. Aha. <laughs> um, well, the. The cosmic two-by-four that cracked me open was my first tangible experience with karma. And when it happened, I tell you what, karma was the last word in my mind. So my soul, we've been talking about the soul intention, my soul put me in front of television transmitters. Television transmitters are very high power, like a million watts of power very high-powered equipment that uses a lot of electricity to make a very strong signal. So as a young kid in my 20s, I'm standing in front of these uh, big-ass television transmitters, very high-powered transmitters. And remember, I my only formal education was high school, and I 
barely squeak through that. So I'm standing in front of these transmitters, and and um, you, you go to the transmitter and you push the go button, and the electricity starts flowing like a some bitch, and glycol pumps kick on and blowers kick on, and pretty soon a million watts is broadcast out the antenna so people can watch TV. Well, I didn't know at the time, but the reason my soul did that was so I could wrap my noggin around what the hell is power? What the hell, what does, what does power really mean? Because consciousness is etherical and electricity is etherical. You can't see electricity. It escaped our discovery of it for centuries. So I write a book. Citizen King, the New Age of Power. Well, unbeknownst to me, when I was 35, um, I was really struggling with my relationships, and my my marriage was struggling, and um, my health was going downhill. I was starting to get ulcers. I had digestive tract problems, and uh, I ended up on a shrink's couch. And the moment I'm about to describe was the moment my whole life changed. I went from being a TV engineer to a bug on a windshield, and my the, the vector of my life just expanded in the moment. And there was a particular moment. Um, I was with my shrink, and he's talking to me. He goes, Les, let's talk about anger. I want to know about your anger. And I'm like, this is the stupidest conversation I've ever had. I don't get angry. I'm an easygoing guy. I just, and he says, okay, come on, come on. And he, he kind of gets up in my face and he puts out his hand and he says, push on my hand. I want you to push on my hand and show me your anger. And I'm like, okay, this is the lamest thing ever. So I put my hand on his and I push and I kind of sink in the overstuffed couch and nothing happened. Well, he kind of gets up in my face and he goes, look, laugh. And what was about to happen, I had no clue that it was coming. He goes, laugh. You know, it's safe here. It's safe here for you to show me your anger. I, I actually want to see your anger. Um, can, you, can you really, I mean, I really appreciate it if you could show me your anger. And Barbara, in that moment my whole life changed because some valve, some magical valve in my psyche opened up and just like turning on a television transmitter, this huge amount of energy starts pouring out of my persona like a electricity volcano. This, this huge amount of raw energy is flowing through my body. And I remember in the moment, I'm like, what the hell is this? And I, I push on his hand and he... Without effort, I push on his hand, and in his office chair, he goes rolling across the room. And I'm volcanoing <laughs> this, this anger out of my persona, and I remember asking the anger, I'm like, who the hell are you? And the anger's like, ah, I'm indifferent. Think of me what you will. I'm just mm -hmm. a feeling leaving your persona. And, I, and in hindsight, I realized that our emotions are impersonal. So to get to your point of karma, that unresolved anger in my psyche that was put there from my family dynamics 
when my dad got mad, a big, burly World War II vet, he cut you in half with his eyes. When he got mad, the whole damn household tried to become invisible. So I learned probably in the womb that showing anger made my mom look afraid. Showing anger made my siblings look afraid. So I, I put in a valve in my psyche that said, don't ever show anger. And so uh-huh. fast forward 35 years, anger was deciding everything in my life. I would not do anything that might, that just might bring me to anger. The wife wants to paint the kitchen fluorescent pink. Well, okay. You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd acquiesce to everything because anything that... It turned out my ego was scared to death of anger. My ego was afraid of anything that might bring an angry response. And so you want to talk about karma? In in the 35 years of my life, anger was a decisive karmic influence in my everyday life, and my ego was clueless that it was even happening. Wow. So when I talk about karma, I talk about energy. Um, your karma is where did that where did that energy come from? The the volcano that was flowing out of me in that moment. Well, it was my own consciousness. What's karma? Karma is your own consciousness from the past. Where does the energy of karma come from? Your consciousness. Your consciousness is. In this case, it was an emotional energy. So where was my karma in my psyche? It was subconscious. You know, when I'm five, my my uh, brother rips up my uh, Marie Osmond poster. Now, that's a joke. I didn't have a Marie Osmond poster. But <laughs> instead of getting mad at my brother, I would get sad because I wouldn't allow myself to feel anger. And so in that moment... To throw an arbitrary number of on it, I, I pushed watts. I put hundreds of watts of anger in that moment, and the amount of anger in my subconscious expanded. Then I, I, I talked. Go ahead. Is this is this this lifetime alone, or is it past lifetimes as well? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I um, a lot of the anger that I released in that moment was from this lifetime. But um, I think the whole family dynamic came into incarnation with a history of anger from previous incarnations. Okay. And it had to come to a head to understand. So fast forward to now, can I get angry? Oh, you damn right I can get angry, but it's a fuel now. It's like mm-hmm. It's like rocket fuel. My anger, the, the, the emotion of anger is a valuable tool to motivate me to bring change about what's making me angry. That makes sense. That makes sense. So karma, I'm glad you brought that up, is, is our past consciousness influencing us in this moment. Okay, that makes that makes sense. 
And, oh, I wasn't going to make and, sense till the second hour. Oh, wait, we're, we are in the second hour. Come we're on. in the second hour. You're safe. Um, <laughs> because, that was joke. because, you know, people talk about karma. It's karma this and it's karma that. But but if it's just a balancing, it, it's not meant to be punishment. It's a balancing of energy. There's no punishment intended. Karma in and of. Yeah. When the anger was flown out of me, how I reacted to it, it didn't care. It had no uh-huh. care. But if I was afraid of it, I could have reacted in fear. Oh, yeah. So so you can turn your karma around on a dime today. You can be you can be uh, having a, a repetitive emotional event in your life over and over and over again, and you can turn on a dime in this moment and have a completely different reaction to the emotional energy. The emotional energy itself is not the reaction. The karma is the reaction. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it 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 <clears throat> I I think sometimes sometimes some people throw around terms that they don't know what they actually mean. They just know that the word is a a trigger word. And and so that they throw it into things they say without understanding exactly what it is. Um, sure. <clears throat> I think that that sometimes we do repeat lessons over and over again, and sometimes they overflow to other lifetimes. And sure. and so that that there is a, a time when you can release it all, clean the slate, and and you know start start accumulating again. I mean, there's good karma and there's bad. I mean. It, it's not that the energy has a positive or a negative. It's how you apply right. it to your life. Right. In truth, any emotional energy is indifferent, and uh-huh. and we assign, we we give it polarity. I mean, the the anger that was flowing out of me was just feelings. I mean, we could talk about emotions, and um, uh, you know, um, just a quick side note: when when I hear people say, "Well, I'm I'm a spiritual guru now, I don't allow myself <laughs> to get angry," and I'm like, "Well, then you suck at telling <laughs> the truth of yourself." Because if anger shows up in your psyche, there's a reason for it. And if you won't allow yourself to feel it, you'll never know the reason. So whatever, keep babbling. I'm going to be moving on. But Yeah. Anytime somebody claims to be something, I I kind of just shake my head. Because, you know, if you need to tell people what you are and your life isn't an expression of it, then then there's a problem. Yeah. So that it, it, it's very much like shamans. Most shamans would not claim they are a shaman. They are a shaman because of what they practice. Yeah. So that, so that um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a label thing. I think that, that today's society has us so programmed and so conditioned to so much stuff that the authenticity of our lives gets gets lost in the mix. Totally, and, Jack. Yep. Yep. And and so so that so that you know your book does help people to 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 
sort of identify where where their life is authentic, where they are authentic, and 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 areas that they need to work on. And you know, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have things to work on. Oh so sure. That, you know, that's the purpose of this physical reality. It's it's right. to you know <clears throat> work things out and get some of the kinks out, and and next time we'll come back and get some other kinks out. But um, one of the other well, things that's pretty we talk kinky. about, <laughs> yeah, in a different way. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I was going to tell you I'm obnoxious, <laughs> but um, well, what no, I really like about clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like uh, what I like about uh, Citizen King is. Um, uh, how it deals with your ego and your soul. Um, your soul is such a powerful persona. Uh, um, or should I say your soul has so much potential for power. But if your yes. ego doesn't, um, if, if, you, if you don't reconcile your ego's relationship with your soul, it's very unlikely you'll be able to manifest in a powerful way in your life. And uh-huh. so Citizen King, the New Age of Power, um, really addresses point blank um, how, the value to your ego. It addresses, it shows your ego the value of how your life would change for the better if your ego mm-hmm. would honor the wisdom of your soul. And and by going through that process, you're literally healing the relationship with that your ego has with your soul. And most people don't have a very healthy relationship between those two. And when you can heal that relationship and the ego understands how totally cool it is when your soul starts feeding you this stream of inspiration and your ego quits trying to rationalize the crap out of it and just does it, just does Uh it, then the ego has a much deeper sense of fulfillment at the end of the day. At the end of the day, your heart, your soul, and your ego all feel fulfilled. Whereas if your ego just plays the stock market to make another million, your soul really hasn't been fulfilled. No, not not probably. No, I, I have. There have been times where I've told my ego and judgment to go to lunch. I have work to do, and <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of like you know, step out of the way and. Let me do what I need to do, and then you can come back, and we'll we'll reincorporate everything and, and get another look at things. But dreams really, really do play a big part in in our spiritual development and our understanding of what's going on inside of ourselves while our mind is sleeping and our ego is at rest. And so many people don't pay attention to the dreams or the insights or the inspirations that come through in a dream state and again another reason for your post-its or keeping a journal and writing things down well sure well to me the um if you're just starting your spiritual journey your dreams are like a carrot that your soul 
dangles in front of you trying to entice you to create flow. Um, uh-huh. it, your dreams are stepping stones. Your, your ego puts a dream in front of you to inspire motion, to inspire drawing that inspiration into form. And, and by creating that flow, you change, you grow as a person. And over time, the dream that your soul shows you for your life expands. As you keep showing up and fulfilling the dream before you, the dream unfolds. Um, a lot of times if the soul showed you the end game of your life, your ego wouldn't believe it possible. So your soul shows you the stepping stone dream. Imagine yourself writing a book. Oh, I can't do that. Mm. I can't write a book. Come on, write a book, write a book. And, and you fulfill that, and then a new dream shows up. So the more you take action on your dreams, the more you're bringing into form the intention of your soul, the more fulfilled you feel every day, and the vision of your life expands, which creates even more flow, so it's like a perpetual rolling stone that gathers momentum, and you you turn out living a, a powerful life as a citizen king. Yeah, I think the, the phrase that I quoted at the beginning of the show was, you know, you are the receptor of inspiration and the vehicle of its expression. It's sort of like our consciousness is is the... Um, channel of this, you know, it, it it receives the inspiration, and then and then on a physical plane we express it, so that so that you know we're we're the the main the motherboard, so to speak, of 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 bringing this this stuff from the ether and manifesting it in with our rea- within our reality, and <clears throat> and becoming attached to that flow from from spirit um we are able to then manifest it within our reality and and eventually the ego realizes that this is a good thing and right. and doesn't 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 throw so many wrenches into the works but every now and yep. then every now and then the ego has a point um <laughs> I mean, you know, I have to admit, I, I'm I'm planning on moving to Nashville, and somebody asked me if I was going to take up a singing career, and in inside I heard the ego say, "Oh, they'll pay her not to sing," you know, and, and they're probably right. <laughs> I want a piece of that action if I don't sing. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's not one of my dreams. It's not one of the things that I have fantasized about. But but people are asking me if I'm planning on doing it, so I may have to find karaoke someplace and just do it to prove to the world there is no voice here. Right, uh, I know that feeling. But but uh, you know, the ego, the ego is incredible and it's it's powerful and it you can make it work for you. And and you know you it it will help sometimes unintentionally but I, I sometimes wonder if the ego has any understanding of what is what is real and what is not because if you get yourself going to the point where 
you are following a flow of energy that is of a creative nature, um, your ego gets dragged along whether it wants it or not. Right. Well, and I think I in the book I I I tell the ego how how good the ego will feel if it allows that flow to happen if it if mm-hmm. it acquiesces to that creative impulse that in the long run the ego will be glad it did that. <laughs> and there's another expression you you've used in the in the book um soul living soul living Mm-hmm. Soul living. Soul what level living, is, but yes. Soul level living, yeah. Want to explain to us what that is? Well, it's teaching your ego to to let go of the reins. Um, it's like you're, it's like you wake up, and you're in a '69 Chevy Impala V8, and you're off, you're way off the interstate, and you're mowing down cactus and and the engines revving and you're just plowing through the countryside and uh, um, you're not going anywhere per se and and the metaphor of it is um, your ego makes all the choices your ego keeps your life safe your ego doesn't take any chances and you're going nowhere fast and then mm-hmm. And then you pull the steering wheel off the car and you hand it up to your ego and the car instantly starts to veer left. And before you know it, you're back up on the interstate and now you're actually traveling down a, a road with a specific direction. And and so the metaphor is the more you let um, your soul, those post-it notes, that inspiration, the more you let it into your moment-by-moment living, soul-level living, the more your life becomes authentically aligned with the purpose that your soul chose before you are even born. So soul-level living is when your ego is in step with the moment-to-moment inspiration that your soul feeds you to fulfill your life mission, life purpose, in a joyful way, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it's putting all aspects of you as a human being into a synchronistic flow so that everything is, you know, it's a a well-oiled machine. Yes. As, as opposed to, you know, pieces falling off here and there and nothing going. Yeah, it's a great way to live, I think. I think. Oh, yeah. And and it does it does allow for you to do things like putting a roof over your head and food in your mouth and, you know, yes. paying the bills and stuff like that. I, I think that, that so many people think that if you're going to be on a spiritual journey – you have to be in an ashram someplace. You have to, you know, totally <laughs> go to a place where you can, you know, be sit in meditation for 20 hours a day. Or it, it, the spiritual journey is a human experience, and yeah. and, and and we're supposed to we're supposed to be able to figure out how to integrate all of it into um, a flow of energy, so that so that 
we can uh, continue to understand this this amazing energy that we have inside of us, and 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 help us to understand how to use it to enhance our life and and add greater vibrancy to our life and then the lives of the people around us too. It, well, it yeah. is a fasc- it, it's a fascinating journey. It really is. Well. What you're touching on is what I wrote about in uh, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last uh-huh. Savior. The the human persona is the vehicle of salvation for humanity. The the human persona is how um, heaven returns to earth. God divine, God with a big ass G, is not going to come down from the heavens. 0.0 times did a big glowing orb come down and stop a war. Zero times did a glowing deity come down and reach over the human shoulder and totally transform a, 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 a collective condition. No, no deity waved a wand over the slums and, and made it palaces. In billions of prayers have been prayed to end war and we're spending more on war than we probably ever have. Mm-hmm. So so big-ass deities have zero say in what's going on. You need, you need flesh and bones. You need a body. The human persona is the vehicle of divinity changing the course of humanity. It's through our human nature that the divine influences the answers to our prayers. It's, it, there's always a human being involved. We're here for the human experience. Absolutely. I, I think that's something that so many people don't quite get. You know, you, you're not denying the fact that there was a creator. It's just that, you know, once he created us and gave us free will, um, we're off and running, and we right. do have a part of the, you know, we have a part of the creator within us. It's not like sure. we do, you know, it, it's it's not like, you know, he, he, he forgot about us. He put a piece of himself inside of us so that, yeah. so that um, it's, it's really a part of the whole process to, to reach that, you know, you call it citizen, um, Citizen King. Um, where did you get that title, by the way, Citizen King? Um, well, it it kind of came out of what I just described, that the human persona is the vehicle of change. The human persona. So um, the book talks about sovereignty and dominion. And in order for a citizen to truly embody um, personal sovereignty, the ability to create as it so chooses, and and to have dominion over its own condition, to um, for the citizen to have dominion over the condition of of the of the tribe of the culture. So your soul looks at the suffering of humanity, and your soul. Um, um, knows 
that part of your life journey for you, you're having radio shows. So your mm-hmm. soul chooses to create a radio show, which you have done, and it becomes a vehicle of change for humanity. So Citizen King, in order for a citizen to act at a divine level, in order for a citizen to feel entitled to act at a divine level, transcending the dogma of the academic and administrative uh, um, dogmas, it has to give itself permission. And in a, in, in a tribe, a culture, what place has absolute permission to do as it chooses? A king. So when you give yourself, as a citizen, permission to manifest as a king, you're untethering your soul to be, to be as bold and daring as it chooses. And when you're able to be bold and daring, you are the new age of power. You're literally the personification of divine inspiration, and you are the vehicle that brings it into form, changing the course of humanity. Well, that puts a whole level of uh, new responsibility upon anybody that reads your book, then. (laughs) Well, if you want to live in ignorance, buy the whiskey. (laughs) No, I think that makes great sense. But but it's it's a it's a it's a it's a king. It's the power of the king. Not in lording it over other people, but being in charge At of all. the dominion, the dominion within. That's right, the citizen dominion, having sovereignty yeah. and dominion of your own persona. Right, and and you know, don't you know, don't buy the book and go out and buy a crown. Um, the, the the reality is that 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 you have the power and the ability to to shift and change your life, to control everything that's going on in your life. But but through your own personal through through changing your own personal um energetic, not not inflicting it on someone else, but but changing yourself and opening Indeed. yourself up to so so that um it's it's it's, it's an empowering book. It really is, and I think you have to read it more than once to really get the full meaning of of what it is that you're you're handing people because you're giving them the tools to actually embrace this kind of power and this kind of flow and this kind of energy and this kind of creative manifestation and anybody that's, can do it that's going to be what turns it around is is yeah. the the citizens taking ownership of what is it the the um the old school of the of a single administration at the top be it a king or a, a monarch or some a single point of control is gone it's more of a honeycomb style the future is a honeycomb style where it's lateral and everybody has equal uh, dominion if you will and nobody has um, um, control over another. Um, I suggest to you that w- this is an extremely powerful time to be alive. 
This is an extremely powerful time for change in the human persona. There's so many ways we've had um, um, our potential um, um, inhibited, if you will. So, like, say, for example, uh, uh, the engine in your car blows up and you've got to get your car fixed. Okay, I'm going to date myself. You go to the yellow pages. I know they don't exist anymore. You go to the yellow pages, there's 15 pages on how to get your car fixed, right? But you go to the power goes off in your house, the electricity goes off, and you go to the yellow pages, and there's a single line. There's one place you get electricity. Now, I know solar power and wind is starting to come into the mix, but electricity in the past has been from a single source. There's no power in a single source. Fuel for our cars, that's a great one. I know they're making electric cars, but gasoline. Gasoline requires a refinery. If you had a super tanker of crude oil, you couldn't drive around the block because you have to refine the gas. And so whoever owns a refinery sets the price for gas. So we've been hogtied uh, through these critical resources for eons of time. And now we're coming into an age where technology is busting open left and right. So you as a persona, through the passion of your heart and the vision of your soul, can be the vehicle of change for our human condition. What if you open the yellow pages and there's 25 pages of different ways you could get electricity? Now we're talking about some freedom. Now we're talking Mm -hmm. about some dominion over our collective culture. It's all moving in that direction. And there's trillions and trillions of dollars of opportunity for people who can recognize new ways to bring resources to humanity, giving humanity more choices about how it lives. I, I cannot express accurately how powerful these times are. When... Um, we're gonna see, like we're gonna see some really big souls personas that step forward and solve some really big problems for humanity. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that I, I think that there was a time when, um, as a society, you know, maybe maybe we're going back way beyond the flood and stuff like that, where society was like that, where it was a sharing giving balanced right. yes. society. Yeah. And then technology popped in and <clears throat> now don't get me wrong, I, I still like, you know, the computer and, and running water and stuff like that. But but yeah, I, I, I have I have an affinity for having a bathroom that works. Um but <laughs> Yes. Yes. I mean there there are, there are some things I really don't want to do without but but you know that that we were we have in our genetic memory those times when there there was no war because there was no need for war because everyone just you know cooperated and shared and and it was a lovely time now i'm not talking socialism or anything like that i'm i'm talking 
way back before there were political parties or 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 ethnicities or anything when we right. were just simple spirits and and you know to to return to a time like that would would be fabulous and and I think that that everyone on some level is working towards that but the conditioning the programming that has gone into our culture to this time, point in time is is something that that happily people are beginning to recognize and trying to break out of and your book right. helps that your book gives people you know part of a road map so that they can apply it to their own lives and and uh try start working towards being that powerful person that they all are i mean it it really i think that in many ways we've we've been all brainwashed um in, into the fact that we can't do things that we actually can do and and so saying yes i can um and then and then doing it is is really really important i am so encouraged because so many people are looking for the ways to do it or looking for understanding of the process or understanding what what the flow is and and how creativity and and um you know embracing the power that you have within and understanding that you can make changes you know you we we do a phrase i use all the time we create our reality by our perception of it we see it and it becomes it so that so that you know wish it were that easy with my garden sometimes but but <laughs> But it it is we have this power um, within us, and not only that, but but we we have the ability to etherically reach out and and you know touch the other living life forms that are here on the planet as well. So that you get going with this, and you understand how how the power is limitless. It's a matter of fueling yourself to be able to reach for it. Yeah. And and right. your books your books really give people um, the understanding of how to claim that power and use it. And and you're you're probably not going to win the lottery, and you're probably not going to be able to play um, the stock market and stuff like that. But you can enhance your life and put greater richness into it on levels that, that go beyond what, what money can buy. And, and that is the important part of the whole thing. And, and sure. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that so often in your book you, you talk about karmic laws and that you can't break a karmic law. You want to explain that to people, just in case they happen to read the book and wonder, as I did, how you meant that. Well, the uh, I I approached it from several different levels. Um, the notion that you broke a karmic law in a past life when you were the villain, when you were the scoundrel, and you inflicted pain on millions of people, um, you were not out of your divine disposition to do that. So when I say that you can never break a karmic law, 
on one in one context what i'm saying is every single thing you've ever done in your past has been approved by divinity in other words you've never pissed off god mm-hmm. um, you can't break a karmic law also relates to the notion of having sovereignty over your power to manifest so in the past a very conniving people have inflicted pain on on masses of humanity i mean world war ii with the two nuclear events um those scoundrels those scallywags those villains had a sense of of dominion over their ability to destroy so so your soul comes here to be able to um, do the opposite of destroy to create to create a, a, a solution to create joy for millions of people um, you can't break a karmic law is a statement that gives you permission um, if you think that you can break a karmic law, you cannot operate in a sense of, of true authentic power. If you think you can break a karmic law, you do, you'll never understand what freedom truly means. If you think you can break a karmic law, then there's probably a sense of guilt within you because of what you might have done in a past life. And if you think you've broken a karmic law and you feel guilt, well, guilt is is uh, one of the most brutal emotions because it removes your sense of worthiness. What do we? How do we treat prisoners that are guilty? We strip them of their rights. So if you think you've broken a karmic law in the past, which is impossible to do, you have never broken a karmic law. You are free of any condition of your past. To understand that you've never broken a karmic law is to be able to completely and totally forgive yourself in this moment. So in in such an absolute way that you're free from your past. And, And to understand that you can't break a karmic law gives you fierce freedom to create at an extremely powerful level in this lifetime now. So th- there's a couple of different contexts behind that statement that you can't break a karmic law, but hopefully that sheds some light on it. Oh, definitely, and <clears throat> and I think also I should have put that in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think also that when when you start to think about it, karmic laws were written by men. They weren't That's written right. by God. That's so, right. As you wish. So, I mean, yeah. As you wish. Period. End of story. What the burning bush said I am that I am. Zero mm-hmm. connotation. The Bhagavad Gita, as it is, zero, zero judgment at all. You're, yeah. we're, we're given fierce freedom. You can't, you can't break a karmic law. Well, because there aren't any. There's no divine karmic law. There's only laws right. of men, and and those are folly. Exactly, and and I think when when people understand that, that that 
it makes it easier. Um, right. It, 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 you know, it's a term that people throw around, and it makes perfect sense. When, you know, when I kept reading that, I kept saying, well, wait a minute, who wrote these karmic laws? You know, where, where did they come from? And then you realize that they had to be written by man. And while they make perfect sense, you know, um, you know the, the the balance of this, and you know there's there's always a a, a balance in, in energies and stuff like that. It's true, but but there's no court that you go to because you it's not like a parking ticket. You know, you don't turn up at a window someplace and say, you know, I've got three or four karmic laws here. I want to pay up and you know get my slate clean before I go <laughs> on to the next lifetime. It doesn't work that way. Um, right. Judgment is inside of you, and right. and when you when you do something that goes against the spirit within you, then then there is something you work through and you work out and you and you balance out eventually. So, um, but it it you know you did you did make me start to think. You know, wait a minute, where did they come from in the first place? I mean. Was there a, you know, did God send a, a, a telegram to somebody and say, you know, by the way, in my next book, I want these karmic laws put in right next to the um, Ten Commandments or whatever? I mean, you know, where did they come from? Um, they make great sense if, if they are, if they are um, value judgments that somebody, you know, can live their life by and stuff like that. But, but. They aren't a law. They aren't something that that you you take with you lifetime to lifetime to lifetime. You, you know, it's energetic, and you balance it out yourself. And I would think that everybody has their own set of internal karmic understanding as to where I'm going to accumulate karma of one form or another if I do something. But um, it's not a it's not a universal thing. It's not something that that has been divinely proclaimed. It's something that man has put upon another thing that mankind has put on us to to frighten us, to scare us, to judge us from. So right. and, and until we heal that, we won't know how to be powerful. I think yeah. there's there's souls that have incarnated on this earth to turn our mythology on its head. In other words, there's souls that are walking around on the planet now, incarnate, that are going to show manifestations to show power from a soul level that totally blows out of the water any notion of what our mythology has showed us. Um, um, the, the new paradigm is going to break all the old rules because... Um, the, the power of human consciousness is exponential. And when you raise, when you raise your vi vibration, um, you're exponentially expanding your ability to be powerful. So a couple of hundred years ago, you and I have been talking about uh, spiritual principles, and anybody on the planet can listen to this podcast. And so... Mm -hmm. The information is widely available, and that didn't exist a uh, hundred years, two hundred years ago. So millions, if not billions, of people are uh, accessing what would have been um, 
taboo information about personal power in the past, and now it's mainstream. So it's millions of people learning the mechanics of how to manifest, learning the mechanics of miracles, if you will. We're going to oh, see yeah. new paradigms coming come down the pike that our past hasn't shown us examples of. Um, in oh, just, a, in in a, the, just, just in the last 10 years. Yeah, things have changed so radically. And there's when a guy I walking around it, on the there's a guy walking around on the planet that intends to colonize Mars, a single persona that tends yeah. to. I mean, right there, right. I don't care what you think about the individual. The vision of colonizing another planet has not existed in our mythology. Ever and now it's a common everyday thing that you can see progressing in the news. So there, oh, yeah. there's an example right there. But what, when I started in this field in the in the <clears throat> '60s, um, what we've been talking of right now, I could have lost my job. Um, oh sure. And if you. If you if you kick it back a hundred or so years, both of us would have been toast. We would have been burnt at the stake. So Chris. the you know the 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 consciousness aspect, the the ability to to expand your consciousness and to you know claim that that power that is within you is something that that is um, becoming more and more uh, acceptable. And not only that, but I'm finding that there are even um, colleges that are that that have got classes that that, that deal with this material. Now I'll, I'll I'll grant you it isn't Harvard and Cornell and Yale and stuff like that, but <laughs> but there are there are places of higher learning that that are are admitting that this is another form of education that is important for for kids to have. And um, I, I think that you know, I, I frankly, I, I, I am all for right from the you know right from birth to to you know, what is it birth to death, um, cradle to grave, whatever. I, I think it's an aspect that should be talked about much more openly um, in families than um, than it has been in the past. But, oh, but sure. you know, that's that, that's another step. Um, I, I could. Well, my, my mother kept always every any time I got into the spiritual stuff, she would say, "Excuse me, I have to get my my hip my boots on. You're getting too deep for me here." So, right. You know, she was well, she was very. <laughs> in the past, but, but, religion. And, I'm I'm sorry. In the past, karma would. I I asked a academic uh, if going going through college if they were ever taught about karma? And they said, no. And I said, well, if you were taught about karma, what department would teach it? And he said, probably religious studies. And I laughed so hard. It, for a religion to teach karma, it would be like the mafia to teach finances. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's, I, w- I would love to see religion become more humanized. Um, it is. It, new flavors it, of religion and new improved religions are being born. 
because this is true. This is true. I think everybody has their own personal religion, and and you know they, you know, if I, if I had my way, I'd probably do away with organized religion and let people find their own spiritual guidance wherever it is that they they want to look. But um, that would be Amen. too upsetting to our culture. <laughs> Fine with me. Maybe I not. think it's a brilliant idea. Well, maybe not this generation. But, but oh, why but, not? How about this generation? Why wait? Well, okay. Um, I, I think it, it, it only works if people do decide to, to seek out their own spark of the divine that's within them. Um, we are down to our last couple of minutes, and I do want to um, give you a chance to um, give your website out and stuff like that. Sure. Um, to learn about me as an individual, you can go to lesjensen.com, L-E-S-J-E-N-S-E-N. Um, my soul put me here to language the nature of power for the Western mind. You can go to newhumanliving.com and uh, um, learn about my books. I have a radio show there. Um, I wrote a book, Personal Power Fundamentals, that talks about karma, how to how we take it on and what we can do about it. Um, I have a radio show every week, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain, New Human Living Radio. And again, you can find that at the New Human Living website. And then my books, uh, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, um, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior, those are books that are intended to wake, awaken a deeper understanding of who you are and how to give yourself permission to fulfill your life purpose in a very powerful and meaningful way. So um, I appreciate being on the show, and I want to thank you, Barbara, for having me as your guest. Well, it's been a pleasure, and, and you know I did read both your books, and they are I highly recommend them. Please check them out. They're they're both on Amazon, and um, <clears throat> I I just I think the message is so important. I I think that you have so beautifully put it portrayed it in both of the books, and so I highly encourage people to pick them up if you are seeking a way of finding yourself. The, the authentic you. This is a great way to do it. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. We so appreciate it. And, you know, if you want to listen in archives, this will be on YouTube tomorrow. And um, if you go to the YouTube channel, please subscribe. We sure can use the extra people to help us snowball all of the wonderful material that, that, that Les and, and all of the other amazing authors that we have had on are sharing with us. So for now, thanks for listening. Good night. Have a wonderful evening and, and a bright day tomorrow. Bye-bye now.